Hey, we are. So during those new sections, sometimes we take off our headphones, you know, we're just chatting and whatnot. And I put my headphones to the player punched out a referee. And then we come back into the, into, <laughs> into our breakfast show here on Faith of M. I hope you receive consequences for that. Hey, maybe if you were listening to the news, you could, you could let us know. 0491064669. But of course, you want to have that text number ready for our next quiz question, Matthew, if you can get that for us. Badly. Friends, which book follows Psalms? Mm-hmm. So which book follows Psalms? So it doesn't go after it. It goes before it. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it's, no, the, no, it's the other way around, it's, buddy. It's, it is completely the other way around. Which succeeds, book succeeds? Which book follows the Psalms? Yeah, so it comes after the Psalms. That's so a, that's, that's what that's, that's following, right? Yeah. So okay, sweet. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Which book follows, follows Psalms? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We have an amazing prize for this week. It's the Revive Cafe Cookbook. It's everything tasty, healthy, vegan. Cooking. I, I don't want to even say vegan. It is vegan, but but plant based. I don't want to. I don't want to give off the sense of you know maybe there's some kind of political statement that this book is taking. No, no, no. It's all. It's all about health. Absolutely. It's all about having great health, but also amazing tasting food. We are huge subscribers to the things that Jeremy Dixon puts out, which is he's the author of the you know Revive Cafe Cookbook Number Eight, and that's because he's a man who follows the Lord, but also is a proliferating and promoting good health as well. We've already got a ton of answers coming through. So good on you guys. Again, that number 0491-064-669. That is the number to text. We've had, you know, interesting show so far. We talked about boundaries a little bit with Jennifer Skews and, and putting up healthy boundaries. What, what do you think is like the big advantage to doing that, Matthew? Like having healthy boundaries in a family relationship, in a marital relationship, in a relationship with your friends, in a relationship with people in churches. What do you think about that? I think it's absolutely vital to consider the importance mm. of boundaries because it's related to our holistic health. Yeah. So this will be an area of definitely a physical, definitely mental and emotional mm. uh, and social, mm. those particular areas, because it's all about understanding that we're vulnerable Mm. and how important it is to protect that vulnerability yeah. by understanding the importance of trust, mm. the areas of trust, where what I got from Jennifer, Jennifer Skews' uh, talk is that trust is earned. Mm. Uh, it should be just easily given. Mm. And also trust should be discerned mm-hmm. as a second to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned a little bit in the interview about my interactions with my sisters and how I learned from that to respect people's boundaries. And that came as a result of being a big time boundary pusher growing up. And, and it was, you know, cause I had sisters and, and we would hang out and, and I would go over to my friend's place and they were, they're like my brothers, you know, and so we're always, you know, beating each other up and wrestling and hanging out and, and making fun of each other. That's just like how it goes. And then I'm hanging out with my sisters and I'm, you know, trying to do the same. I, I didn't try to beat my sisters up. Yeah, I love my sisters. I'm glad to know. But, but more just like joking around and pranks and stuff like that. That I was super into that. And, uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a point in my childhood where it would be, my sister would scream. One of my sisters would scream and dad would say, Lawson! Stop! Like, like I would be. The assumption was that I was doing something, and you know, and then I would kind of play the victim card, like, "Why do you always think it's me? I'm just trying to, you know." But it was a fair assumption because it often was me. Like, I, I was, I was always pushing boundaries, but then I came to learn, and, and there was some tough lessons there too, particularly in my early teens. You know, you just 
become your, your capacity for being a bit meaner, being a bit rougher, like as a young boy becomes greater. And, and like, you know, I have a fantastic relationship with my sisters today. All of my sisters, I can call them anytime. I can go to their houses. They can, they love to look after me. Uh, we have, you know, lots of care and affection for one another. And that's because our relationship was galvanized through those trial and error moments of me realizing like, oh, my sisters, uh, Precious, amazing, wonderful human beings, and I want to, you know, be the best that I can for them. You know, what's interesting is our background. So you were raised by sisters. I had all brothers. Yeah, wow. And what was interesting too, dynamically, uh, dad, uh, you know, a lot of his past, and I'm not f- saying this to fault him today, he's, mm. he's such a loving, better, uh, mature, and softer gentleman today. Mm. Um, he, he did have bouts of alcoholism and gambling, mm. and there was a lot of shouting and things in the house. Mm. That led to us being timid, really mm. timid. And when I hear this talk today, I've noticed that people who tend to have uh, an ease with using boundaries, they tend to be more from the introverted side. Mm. But those who have problems with boundaries would be probably most likely people with the extroverted side. <laughs> hey, what's up? We yeah. come around and high five and hug people and what have you. And I realized. Which, today, by the way, like we want to say, like, isn't a bad thing. Not necessarily. But, but it's, it's all about right place, right time. And that's what she was saying, you know, those mm. three points. You know, uh, what do I have here? She said, number one, um, identify what the problem is. Number mm. two, look for what the behavior is. And number three, what do you prefer? Yeah. So it's good cool that she mentioned those three, you know, Jennifer's That's kids. Right. Thank you. Because it gives us a filter where some of us may lack that filter. Yeah. Um, I did it once. I remember uh, at Bullaroo Church, I remember I just went to one of the elders' wives and go, oh, hi. And there's big hug. And I did that so, so many times often that later on, two elders had to have a talk to me. Oh. And say, when you hug, can you just, just hug in a more uh, half uh, appropriate, appropriate way? way? Yeah. You know, and, it's, and it's very. A- of course, like, like Matthew, like, you're a married guy, you're a loving person. Like, I see he's like, hey, bro, what's up? Like, we, you know, we know, like, oh, Matthew doesn't have bad intentions. No, well, like, yeah. like, that's, that's where you're at. And, and same for, for most people, like, it's, there are people with bad intentions. And so that's why boundaries are so healthy. But it's that, okay, we need to play a little bit of a game of respecting those boundaries of working with people where they're at. And that's been actually especially fucking, in the beginning. Yeah. The yeah, beginning. for sure. That, that was the beginning time that I, I just started my placement one yeah, month in yeah. and I'm hugging everyone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it. That's interesting. You bring up as well for both of us, you know, on the journey towards like studying ministry, becoming pastors and me working in ministry for a long time. It actually became my standard. And now after, you know, so, you know, within my six years of ministry, I came to a point where I realized like, I don't want women to feel uncomfortable around me. So I I stopped hugging women. I was like, and even just hugging in general, I just like, like once I warm up to someone, they warm up to me and it's like, oh, it's okay. It's all good. And they offer. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I'm like a very, usually... I'm a, quite a physical touchy person, you know. Just well, your like, sisters. So. Yeah, yeah. Sisters, like, are always hugging each other, always, you know, just in a very friendly, colloquial way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it became a bit of a thing for me. I realized, like, oh, hey, not everyone feels comfortable with this. Right. Like, again, I come from a family of extroverts. or all, oh, hey, what's up? It's like, okay, not everyone feels comfortable with this. And But then you make those judgments, and then you find when you actually make those friends, when they see your intentions, all of a sudden you've got friends for life who just love and care about you. Hey, we want to get your thoughts about boundaries. 0491-064-669. And also just a little bit on solutions, as Jennifer, excuse me, talking about, you know, maybe giving some direction and whatnot. The verse came to my mind, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah. And it's if there's boundary crossing or boundary issues, it's so important to realize, okay, everyone's on a journey. Again, people can have really awful intentions yes. and then there's there's need to work around that. But ultimately to, to be soft and to coach people into, okay, this is how I'd like you to act around me or in this situation. That's definitely the, the best way to go. But hey, let us know what you think. 0491-064-669. Give us some perspective on boundaries this morning. You know, Brother Lawson, I think about our Lord Jesus. You know, mm. He never necessarily, I believe, had to physically touch anyone except for those who were deemed unclean. Mm. He would bridge that. He will touch the leper's hands to yeah. show his intimacy there. But nine times out of ten, or most times actually, mm. it's what the Lord said most mm. of the time that drew people to him. Yeah, His approaches were with empathy and it drew the crowds. But this is the thing. It's like even what he said, like we live in a, or, or is Israel at the time was a culture of, of shame. I, I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's that things could bring shame about in families and whatnot. And there was a culture of politeness and a very heavily appropriate. This is another thing I've learned in regards to boundaries, like Australians in terms of what we say, we don't have many, uh, but in these cultures, the pr- appropriateness and the politeness in those boundaries, Jesus would cross them, but he always crossed them in the most appropriate ways to teach lessons and and this is so important jesus had he always had the best response to thing because things because he was the most spiritually in tune he was always being led by god as to what to do what to say and great things came as a result and we're going to be reading a story today where jesus actually crosses some cultural boundaries and makes some points to the disciples around him and to this Syrophoenician woman who he comes into contact with about actually, you know, proves to them what the love of God is, is really, is really like. So very interesting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. All right, Matthew. My brother. Chapter 15 in the book of Matthew. We're going to your book, Matthew chapter 15. And would you be able to pick it up for us in verse 21? And just just read the first couple of verses for us. Gladly. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Okay, let's, let's start right here. So, this Jesus, Jesus, he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which we have discussed over the last couple of days, is a region outside of Judea. And he has a woman of Canaan here that comes to him and cries out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, his response, verse 23, it says, But he answered her not a word, and then his disciples came and urged and Send her away, for she cries out against us. What do you think is odd about this particular request from this woman and why there was a bit of tension here? Absolutely. So this tends to be counterintuitive to the ministry of both Jesus and the disciples, where most of the times they're healing people. Mm. Um, they've even you know, left home, Jerusalem, wherever they come from, mm. to go and meet people outside the city. Mm. But this particular occasion, 
They've sent this lady away. They don't want to have anything to do with her. It's almost like they Well, they haven't Samaria. sent her away. The disciples have said sent her away. Yeah, Jesus, to, yeah, Jesus hasn't said anything yet. Not yet. But why? Why Why are there these kinds of sentiments that seem to be appearing in Jesus and the disciples? So there seems to be that with the disciples, they still have these prejudices. Okay. They, that's what tends to be coming across. Because mm. they did that to Christ, remember, at the time of the woman at the well? Mm. They go, you're eating with, you're, you're getting her to draw you water for you. Mm. Has he even eaten? Well, even she says that. She says to him, because the disciples go away and, and he says, draw me water. Yeah. You know, I need a drink. And she says, why are you talking to me? Which is kind of interesting. She's the, you could say the victim or the, or the lower person class. in terms of prejudice here. It's like Jesus is of a, as of high, of a higher class. Furthermore, he's a rabbi. Like he's, he, this woman doesn't know who he is, but he seemed important. It's like, why are you such an important, amazing person talking to me? Like, you, what kind of respect do I have that you should talk to me? I'm a lowly man. Furthermore, we find out about that woman. She, she's had multiple husbands, all these things. Yeah. Now, we see that those prejudices boil over here with this woman of Canaan. Yeah. And the reason for them existing, she's identified in Mark chapter 7 as a, as a Syro-Phoenician. She's a woman of, you could say, mixed birth, mixed origin. She's also identified as a Canaan. And so these are people, you know, if we talk about conflicts in Palestine, you know, the Canaanites versus the Israelites, definitely. And this is a woman who, at a time of great isolation in terms of Israel, at a time of great prejudice that had been manifested amongst Israel, Israelites who were pure-blooded Israelites living in Jerusalem and whatnot, uh, for a woman of Canaan to make such a request of this famous person, Jesus, and obviously she knew who he was because she requests him to cast out seven demons, or well, not seven, but you know, to help her daughter who's severely demon-possessed. There would be the question would come up like, yeah, who gave you the right lady to say this to us? Don't you know our history? Don't you know our prejudices? And Jesus' initial response is he doesn't answer her a word and the disciples say, send her away. Is that surprising to you, Matthew? You know, it, it, sh- it should be surprising, but it yeah. isn't. And it's based on this reason. Eventually, Paul says on later on that the gospel must go to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. Yeah. But we, we looked earlier that Jesus was going to these different Gentile cities. Yeah. You see? So they should have realized that the gospel's not just to the Jew and solely for the Jew, yeah. but they're still living in that mindset mm. only to the Jew. Okay. But isn't it challenging here that Jesus in this point, although he's been blessing all these other Gentiles, why is he being kind of standoffish with this one? It's it's uh, There's a bit of a tension here, he's, and this tension has created quite a lot of theological discourse. But what were we going to say? As we go through that story... You see, it's actually a lesson for his disciples, a lot more for his disciples, mm-hmm. because he's, they're going to be the ones continuing the ministry later, mm-hmm. and un, they'll understand the essence of this gospel going to the whole world. That's how I take it. Okay, so he says to the disciples, or the disciples say to him, they say, like, they see his reaction, and they say, okay, Jesus has prejudice towards this woman, therefore we should as well. Mm-hmm. And the disciples say to Jesus, like, oh, why don't you just send this, this lady away? Do you want to pick it up for us in verse 24? And let's read maybe to verse 26. Okay. 
I'd like to give two ways of reading this because mm. I answered this in a Sabbath school once and you'll find it's also in the way you say it. That's yeah, it's, it, it's fine. Just say it. Don't, don't think about it. Just, just read right. it. Just read it how it is okay. and we'll, we'll get there, Matthew. Perfected. Trust me. All we'll right. get there. Mm-hmm. Most people hear it like this. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, all right. Let's stop. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Yep. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. What Jesus is saying here. Like, again, I, I know you want to get a little bit to the essence and we're, we're going to get there soon, Matthew. Yeah. But let's look at this from a textual perspective. Sure. Like, you are living in 2023. You've never read the Bible before. You have no idea about Jesus, his ministry, the politics of this area, whatever it may be. You pick it up and you read this for the first time and you hear Jesus say the word, it, words, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. That's rough, right? It is. It's quite rough. And, and people have said as such. In fact, in fact, there are people who have, who are a bit anti Bible, I would say, who have used this to claim that Jesus was in a sense racist. But furthermore, there are people who are pro-Bible to say that this is actually a reflection of Jesus's own shortcomings that he would repent for. Now, I have some problems with those kinds of statements. And, oh, me too. Me and, the re- and the reason is because, like, simply, Matthew, I want to ask you, was Jesus a sinner? No. No. Did Jesus hold prejudices against people? Not at all. No. Like, Jesus is God as heaven. If we can claim that anyone is tolerant and loving, it's Christ. Is Jesus being... And and I think there's been a bit of an agenda almost for for Christians to be able to say that, that maybe, I don't know, excusing their their own racism. I I have no idea how you could come to this conclusion. But it does seem like from the outset, if you just read this line in isolation... It's like, man, Jesus kind of hates this lady and has some kind of prejudice towards these people. He calls her a little dog. Well, I can I can prove, if you allow me to, that he he does not mean prejudice or he has no sin. I can uh-huh. prove it just by doing yeah. this. Check, check this out. Absolutely, I'll go just, for it. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Mm-hmm. I believe he baited her mm-hmm. where she sensed the compassion in saying those words. Mm-hmm. He was saying the statement. As if everyone knows that statement. Mm. But she noticed, hang on, the way I read it the first time, it's like a pompous way. Yeah. But I believe he said it tenderly to see if she realizes, hang on, yes, I know that, but why are you saying it like that? Because mm. he's always a person who's a master at baiting people, at drawing them. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're actually we're going to really unpack this story and see that Jesus masterfully, masterfully allows not only this woman, but the disciples to learn about the essence of his mission and his love for people. This would have been incredibly jarring for the disciples to hear. But again, the way in which he's saying it, the woman would have understood and recognized him. And we actually see, man, Jesus's reaction to this is one that is positive. It's flowing in love. 
Jesus is not racist. Like, I, I really, we're going to, as we make our way through, we're going to really, in our next section, dive in and break down what's happening in the text here. But, yeah, the, the claim that even biblical, like, Christian, pro-Jesus, biblical scholars have made that, oh, this is Jesus falling short and, and de- demonstrating his own prejudice that he needed to overcome. And rep- no, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus had no need to <laughs> overcome sin that he himself possessed. Jesus overcame a lot. Jesus overcame death mm-hmm. and sin in the sense that he was perfect, but he is using this as a beautiful lesson to teach the disciples disciples you know what love can achieve and what his message and his mission is all about you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different and we are going to have our final quiz question if you can get that for us matthew will do whom did esther follow as queen okay so follow who did esther follow so she came after this person, 0491-064-669. That is the number to text if you know the answer. I, I feel I've got to give a bit more context. I don't, I don't know if everyone's going to get it. Why? Yeah. Oh, okay. Give us okay. give us some context. Give us some context, so who, Matthew. Maybe I say it like this. Who preceded Esther? Yeah. Yeah. Who did Esther follow? Who did Esther come after? Yeah. Absolutely. There's the king there. His name is Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Hey, and- hold on. Ahazuerus. Sorry, Ahazuerus. Man, we're we're all over the place this morning. But look, whom did Esther follow as queen? 0491-064-669 is the number to text. And, of course, our prize for this week, the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight. We want to give that to you absolutely for free. Listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, we're diving into this story in Matthew chapter 15. We've been reading, understanding. We've been hit with some incredibly harsh words that Jesus has said said to this woman she says lord help me and he says it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs if we go before that do you actually let's read through again let's start in verse 23 and read down to verse 27 gladly but he answered her not a word and his disciples came and urged him saying send her away for she cries out after us but he answered and said I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread Mm. and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Mm. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Absolutely. Wow. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Uh, Powerful stuff there. Okay, from the outset, Jesus says, I have not come except to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's interesting that Jesus would later say, like, oh, hey, like, you know, this will go to Israel and it will go to Judea, Israel, Samaria, and to all the earth. Now he's saying, Oh, hey, I, uh, I, I've only come for the lost sheep of Israel. Any insight there, Matthew? You know, what, what, why this disparity here? Yeah, well, it's similar to that other verse I was referring to before, the one mm. that says, um, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Mm. So we know that, uh, you know, the Pharisees, they so, was so diminishing in the light. They didn't even recognize when Jesus came. Like, mm. they didn't know why he was here. 
Um, and when some folk, you know, like the Free Wise Men, came to to uh, inform certain people, like the like Herod, they wanted to get rid of him. Mm. In fact, he could only do a ministry that lasted only three and a half years. So he, I believe he knew the importance of the ministry of not only revival, but reformation to the house of the Jews first. Yeah. Well, but furthermore, yeah. I want to give some perspective on this. The reality is, is that I, I believe this wholeheartedly, that everyone... <laughs> is of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh, centrally, yes. And this, and this is actually a point that Paul himself makes in the book of Romans. He explains the concept of spiritual Jews Amen. or spiritual Judaism, being circumcised not in body but in heart. He says, Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, he says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And this really reveals God's ideals. And I think this has a lot to say about current sentiments that are held by Christians in regards to the Holy Land in Israel and Mount Megiddo and the political state conflict that's happening there. Something we absolutely proliferate here on The Breakfast Show is that Jesus has not come to establish a physical state or to give anyone rights to physical land. That time has come and it is gone. No, but rather he has come here to... (laughs) <laughs> to lead all people to Christ and establish the kingdom of heaven. And so we see here what Paul is writing or expounding on this point is that what proves someone to be a Jew, and I'm using the word Jew there with air quotes, what proves someone to be of the lineage of someone who is accepted by God? And he says it is actually the change of heart. Yep. It is the response to the spirit. And when we read chapter 24 or chapter, sorry, 15 of the book of Matthew, verse 24, he says, I was sent uh, not uh, to no one except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She cries out. She says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Recognizes him as the savior, as the son of God. Help me. He then says after that, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And, this is a powerful passage as well. And as you mentioned there, this isn't a reflection of Jesus's prejudices that he had towards non-Jews that he then repented of, because we see that he doesn't act like this towards any Gentiles, either before or after. He doesn't have a specific vendetta against Syrophoenicians and not against Sumerians and not against Greeks and not against Romans, but rather, no, this is actually a test for the disciples. And he's proving a clear point. He says, Okay, it's not good for the children's bread to throw it to the little dogs. Her response is, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. The reality is that Jesus is proving is whether that you are a Jew uh, biologically or not, is that we are all under the master's table. We've actually all fallen short. We are all in need. And therefore, whether you could say that I am this or I am that, whether you can make a point about status or prejudice or not, what Jesus is is saying, he he baits her, as you said, in love. He baits her. He he throws this thing out and her response is, yes, even so, I am still in need. Even though I'm not good enough, even though I fall short because of these particular circumstances, I am still in need. You know, you, you shared something so powerfully. And so beautifully about the importance of Jesus wanting to have spiritual Jews. Mm. Because that was the purpose of the Jews 
when they were in the right state of knowing their commission, they mm. would have given that light to the world. That's right. So they can become adopted uh, as spiritual Jews. That's right. Because if you look today, sadly, which you gave segue to, the current state of Israel at the moment does not recognise uh, majority. Some, some, so many do. But yeah. majority do not recognise Jesus as the Messiah mm. today. So it, it proves that what you're saying, uh, Lawson, that Jesus now has given that uh, a gift or, or belonging to the spiritual Jew. Yeah. Where even to the Jews today, if they're willing to choose him, they're adopted as spiritual Jews. Yeah. Because the old lineage of a Jew meant you didn't acknowledge him as Messiah. Yeah. And that's even the very point that Paul makes further. He says, does this mean that the Jews are a curse? Like they cannot receive salvation? It's like, absolutely not. Like the, the problem is that they don't accept Christ. Like that is the thing that's keeping them from, and that is the thing that is keeping both the Jews, the Syrophoenician, the, the Syrophoenicians, that like everyone who is lost, everyone throughout all time is lost or saved in the same way. And it's through their acceptance of Jesus. Now we know and we understand that God is a righteous judge. He knows that there was a time before Jesus. Jesus, when he didn't exist, like God will save everyone in the appropriate and right way. But simultaneously, he like everyone's need is based in and around Jesus. Everyone has fallen short to sin. Jesus is the one that has saved everyone. His life is given for the Syrophoenicians, for the Japanese, for the Greeks, for, for those living in Africa, for Australians, for everyone. It's Jesus' death and only Jesus' death that provides salvation. And she recognizes this. She's like, can I just have something? Because, and I know that you're the one to give it to me. And he's like, lady, you get it. Great is your faith. You understand more than even my disciples. They tried to push you away. Lady, you get it. You understand. Hey, right now, this is Michael Card with the gentle healer. That is what Jesus would go on to do for this woman. Heal her daughter. He is gentle. He is loving. He is kind. Sometimes he teaches his lessons in a seemingly harsh way, but it is because he understands what the people need. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And you're joined by myself, Lawson. got Matthew across from us. And you, Matthew, are going to give us some answers for the quiz. So we are. True or false, both Habakkuk and Nahum have three chapters. Is that true? It is. So that was true. What is the greater light of Genesis chapter 1? The sun. The other one is the moon, which is the lesser light. But the answer we're looking for is that greater light, the sun. Mm. From Leviticus, what do the following have in common? Seagull, owl, and bat. They're all unclean. Mm. So they're unclean. Now, which book follows Psalms? Meaning after Psalms? It's Proverbs. Mm. And finally, whom did Esther follow as queen? That's Vashti. Yeah. Man, the book of Esther is such a, like, a, a beautiful story in the Bible. But actually, oh. the book of Esther is like beautiful, but it's also, it's romance, it's drama, it's like... Espionage. Espionage, like all, everything about it, I love so much. And yeah, this, this Vashti lady, you know, just, <laughs> like, like, I, I, she, she, uh, yeah, she unfortunately fell short of the high standards that were on here in the kingdom. Well, but did she fall short of the high standards that were on her from the king, the real king? Mm. I feel that she gets a bad rap in the Bible. Yeah, yeah I, can. I agree. Yeah. Because he was having a drunken fist, good old Asma. Mm. Yeah, verses. and all he wanted to do was parade her about. and As a thief. And, uh, yeah, mm. uh, yeah, well, that's... 
that's the point that I'm making is I'm like, she, she puts a bunch of standards on her of like, oh, you know, why don't you be my plaything that, you know, you can, yes. I can show everyone off to. And yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see her as like an evil person. She's definitely yeah, exactly. not Jezebel or anything like that. Like if we want to, if we want to talk to, uh, talk about evil queens in the Bible, like we have some definite other places we can point. Whereas Vash, Vashti's kind of stitched up a little bit, but it is to the benefit of, the Jews and is to the benefit of the Israelites because yeah, it's it definitely was something lives. that worked in the um, favor that I'm, mm. I'm sure God orchestrated. But I do think that a lot of people give Vashti a hard a time rap. thinking yeah. that she did a bad thing here, mm. but it's not necessarily the case, mm. and that she might have been just standing at a higher moral. That's um, right. Standard than what her husband was wanting from her, and, yeah. and and refusing him in that moment wasn't a bad thing yeah. because of what he was requiring. We're talking about boundaries earlier in the show today. And I think that that's a pretty healthy boundary. Like, Hey, my husband whom I love and care for so much, I would like to not be a product of your validation in your drunken stupor, your <laughs> six month long drunken party. Yeah. I would not like to, to be in this position. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Vashti, shout out Vashti. I mean, you know, she's dead now, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's an incredibly interesting story. But again, I think it does very much open up the door for. You know, unfortunately, it's a, if anything, it's a bad situation that the king has caused, but it opens up the door for Esther to end up in that position and use her position of influence to... And again, this is the miracle. If he's willing to get rid of Vashti because Vashti is like embarrassing him at a party by not living up to his, his drunken whims, how is it? that Esther is able to leverage a position to literally save her people and address the king in a court, which would usually cause her death. Yeah. It is literally a miracle. You know, like, also, if anything, it highlights the change that happens in the king's heart. Absolutely. You know, she was going by Bible. She was going by Bible principle, actually, because there's a proverb that goes like this. I don't know the reference, but it says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Mm. So there's a context to it, I guess. So if someone... You know, does you wrong, uh, say it embarrasses you. Apparently, you can embarrass them, but there is a difference. This is a royal king, so probably if she only had foresight, hang on, if I embarrass this man who embarrasses me in public, which seems justified, right? Mm. Um, but if she understood, but hang on, this is the king of the nation. Maybe I should talk to him privately. That probably went better for her, but then we'd have no Esther. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Man, it's a beautiful story. And I think like literally that story saves the nation in such a way. You know, God makes it clear, hey, I'll find some other way to save them. But because of Esther's actions, you know, Jesus comes. It's amazing. And Matthew, come to the end of the show, bro. It has. It has. I'm just... I'm sad because I won't see you guys till next year. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is it, Matthew. This is it for for the year. We, you know, wrapping up. I mean, we've got till the end of this week. I, I sounded a false alarm. I, I I sounded a false alarm last week that this was the last week, but no, we've got next week as well. So we'll have two weeks of radio, and then, mate, we're done and dusted and out of here until next year on the on the ninth. Because I'll be in Melbourne uh, next year, where you will go there. Oh no, this year I'll be going to Melbourne. Next week. Next, next week, week you're going to Melbourne. And then New Zealand. 
the yeah, week after. Yeah, wow. And then you're in Melbourne as I'm well. going out of Melbourne over the New Year's. It's going to be super fun. I'm going to hang, be hanging out and, uh, in Canberra a little bit as well. Actually, in Jindabyne in January too. So, awesome stuff. Hey, we've come to the end of the show. And as always, we give something away absolutely for free. I've got here God With Us by James W. Gilly. God With Us, according to John. And this is looking at basically, well, it's John who explains that, yeah, the word became flesh. He dwelt among men. He dwelt with us. And as we saw, you know, this interesting situation between the Syrophoenician woman and Jesus and how we saw, oh man, God reaching out to those in a lowly place. This book is all about highlighting those instances and explaining what it's like that God is with us. He's become incarnate in the flesh, who Jesus is, what his mission was. So that number is 0491-064-669. Text the word book. But guys, remember today to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.